not just cheese and chocolate, a Swinglish podcast about books and other stuff I like. from Switzerland and this is the fourth episode of my podcast. All music used in this podcast is provided by my husband Rolf. You can contact me via the podcast blog at notjustcheeseandchocolate.wordpress.com where you also find the episode notes and information on all the books I mention. After today's episode, you will have the pleasure of listening to an interview that our recurring guest, Diane from the English Book Club, recorded with her husband, Paul. It is a continuation of her personal take on feminism at the end of the last episode. I hope you find this insight into the views of an old-fashioned gentleman as interesting as I did. Hi, if you've listened to our last episode, you have heard our recurring guest Diane from the English Book Club tell her own life story, concluding with her finding love and romance later in life with her prince, Paul. This made me think about doing an episode on books that tell the stories of women who find love and romance later in their lives. I did go through my Goodreads account and I've put together a collection of books that I've read in the last years. Some of them I've read quite a while ago, so I won't remember all, all the details, but I have them here in front of me on my phone. Most of those books I've listened to on the Audible app, so I don't have them in, in paper form here in front of me, which makes it a little harder for me to talk about them, but I'll do my best. So this first book is The Autumn Duchess, the second book in the Roxton Family Saga by Lucinda Brandt. Lucinda Brandt is not you typical historical romance author. She writes huge sweeping family sagas, historical family sagas, with a very important romantic plotline, of course. And she writes historically accurate, I feel, very realistical, very dramatic love stories that that you feel in your heart, in your bone. You can't stop reading. It's mesmerizing. It's touching. You feel super sad. And at the end, of course, you're super happy because they will finally have their happy ending. And this book, The Autumn Duchess, was a very risky book for me to read. I hesitated to start reading it, even though I like the Roxton family saga. Because the lady in the book, she has lost her husband. And not only am I not in the best mood right now to read about loss. Uh, the man she lost was the hero, her hero in a former book. So that is the reason why I don't generally read family sagas. Because if they 
go over a long time period, people die. People that have been important in former books die, and I don't like that. I'm a romance reader. I want people to be happy forever, so I don't want for them to die, even though it's, it's the logical conclusion of any life and love, of course. But this book was worth it, even though it is a sad book. It has very sad parts because the lady who lost her husband, she's devastated. He was her one great true love, a very impressive gentleman. But he was much older than her in the book. That's about their story. She's like an 18 year old girl falling for a much older man who does not want to marry her because she's too young for him. But finally, they do get together and they are very, very happy together. They have children, their children have their own books, or at least some of them have. So this was a, a beautiful love story with a big age difference. I know some people don't like that, but it was well done, well executed and probably also historically quite realistic. Um, this, in this book, the hero of a former book has died and his wife, the love of his life, She's devastated, she's fighting depression, she has no reason to live except for her grandchildren, of course. And you think when you start reading that book, that woman, her life is over, what has she to look forward to? except helping raise her grandchildren, of course. Her family is very worried and she feels managed by them, she fights against them. She wants to live her life the way she seems right. And the help they give her is accidentally making her life worse, but they don't know that, of course. And then in comes this man, also a man who is has lived a life, who is similar age to her. And he falls in love with her. She's a very beautiful woman, of course, but he sees her as a whole human being and he wants to help her. He's a very caring person and he sees her suffering and he wants to help her in any way he can, not in a selfish way. And luckily for both of them, they finally have a happy ending for their new love story. So the book is very hopeful. It tells the tale that even if you had a huge big love in your life, there is the chance for you to find another huge big love. With a completely different man in this case, the the men she's loved have nothing in common with each other uh, and, and that's good that way. But in the book, the first husband is never diminished by the new love because we all have the capability to love endlessly. So if we love someone else or a new person that does not make the love we had or have for other people smaller. That's one of the miracles of life and in this book it's described beautifully and it's a very hopeful book even though the heroine goes through some hardships and suffering, even torture in a way, by a bad guy who uh, uses her situation for his own gain. So it is not an easy book to read, but 
for me, it was worthwhile. I really loved it. It's because of the writing. Lucinda Brandt is a great writer. Also, I listened to it on Audible and the narrator was Alex Windham, one of my very favorites. He does the book perfectly. So the next book I want to talk about is The Bride of Ivy Green, the third book in the Tales from Ivy Hill by Julie Clausen. This is a series or a, a trilogy, I think. I've only read the second and the third book. It's not a classical historical romance. It's more like a historical story about the village. Uh, very female-centered and has a, a cast, a big cast of villagers in it. But in each book, one romance is at the forefront. I think Julie Clausen is categorized as an inspirational writer. So if you have a problem with Christian beliefs being an important part of the book, then it's probably not for you. I found it acceptable because the people in that village do, well, they are quite preachy, of course, but they do live in a way that I can accept that is not far away from my own values. So they're a very tolerant village. They're, they help each other. They they use their beliefs for the good of each other. So for me, it was acceptable, but I know that for some readers, this might be a no-go because of the Christian subjects in the book. So in the second book, there is a, an unmarried lady who's no longer young, so that her parents are have lost all belief that she will ever get married. And at that time in history, apparently it was the only thing acceptable for a woman to get married. So at the end of the second book, she loses the school. She, she has been running a school for girls and that was her life. She lived together with her aunt in a house and she was very happy there and fulfilled in her job as a school teacher and helped many people around her uh, in a very unassuming way. And she has given up on love, but it's not that important to her to have a family because she, ha she has the school. So her parents want to force her into marrying someone they have chosen for her, a man she doesn't like at all, and who doesn't respect her uh, in the way that she is and needs to be respected. So they take away the house from her because the house belongs to the parents. They give it to her brother who's married and needs a home. And she is homeless or she can live with the brother and his new wife who does not really welcome her with open arms and loses her school. So the book ended on a very uh, distressing note and I was so unhappy for her that I had to continue the series to find out if she would be happy. I already knew that she was uh, had a crush on a, a man who did work at her schoolhouse and that this man, who's not a big talker, has also uh, developed a fondness for her. But they're both very shy and don't dare believe that the other could be interested in them. 
He thinks she's too elevated for him, too well-educated, of too good a family. And she thinks that he's just too good-looking and uh, too amazing a man that he could be interested in her because she's, she's rather plain. She's not a beauty. Uh, so they don't talk to each other about their interest, which makes it hard for them to find to each other. So in the second book, the story continues and there are some developments and she sometimes thinks that maybe he's interested in her and then she sees him or she believes she sees him with someone else and she concocts this whole story that he's in love with someone else and not interested in her. So there's a bit of drama. It's it's quite realistic, I thought, and sometimes also funny because you as a reader, you know that they both are completely in love with each other. And by the end of the book, they are together. They're very happy. And I was so glad for her. She's not an older lady, but I think she's in her 30s. So at the time, apparently, that was a time when you had no hope left to marry and have a family. And because of the time they live in, this is what a woman has to achieve to be a successful woman. But in this book, what what really elevates it out of other historical books uh, or I have read is is the feeling of community and the community of women, of friendship between women, how they help each other. And while it's not a revolutionary book, but it shows women that work. So they, most of the People in this village, most of the women in this village, they have a job, they have a shop, they work, they do business and they meet over their business to discuss it. So you see them in a in a way that I didn't expect. They're not just women that stay at home and raise the children and are under the eye of a husband who dominates them. They're very strong women and the way they help each other in times of need, that was beautifully done. So I really liked it. The the books are longish, very detailed. They take their time also because there are so many people in them that have separate stories. So it's not a series for impatient readers. It's not fast going, but it was very satisfying and I was glad at the end of the book that I'd read, this third one. So the next is a historical romance. It's a novella. Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan. It's part of the Werf saga. It's part 2.75 of the Werf saga. (laughs) Uh, It's a very short novella. I think it's available for free. And she did a beautiful thing here. You have in in the books, in the Werf saga, you meet an older lady, a very rich lady, uh, a widow. She has lost her husband. She didn't love him. You meet her in the book and you know she hates men. So her marriage was probably very unhappy, maybe even abusive. You meet that lady and she's such an amazing character. You want to read her story, right? So Courtney Milan heard her readers and wrote the story of 
that elderly lady falling in love with another elderly lady who was a former working woman. I think she was a secretary or something and she lost her job and she's now at an age where she won't find new employment. And as in those times, women were really in danger when they did not have a family or the protection of men. And she's all alone in the world. She has worked really hard her whole life. And now she has nothing. She has no pension like we have today maybe to look forward to. She she did well all her life. She tried to put money aside, but she didn't earn all that much. So now she's at a very, very dangerous point in her life where she does no longer know how she can survive in the world. So she goes to this rich lady, the one we've met in the books, and tries to make a deal. And the great thing is the ladies fall in love. And it's beautifully done. And those ladies are not in their 40s. They're in their 60s or 70s. So they really are elderly ladies. And it's amazing how the romance is written. How they love each other. They love each other's bodies for the signs of age and life lift that they have on their bodies. They're not perfect. They're not nubile young women. They are older ladies and you see it on them and they love each other just exactly how they are because they are the way they are. So it's a beautiful small book. Read it. Courtney Milan is an angel for giving us this story which is very romantic. It's short, it's short, but it's very romantic, beautifully done. I recommend it to everybody. Then I have an exception to the other books, a book that's not about finding love, but it's about finding something to live for later in life. It's The Unexpected Mrs. Polyfax by Dorothy Chillman. Apparently it's the first book, a series of a series about Mrs. Polyfax. And it's about uh, an elderly lady who wants to become a spy in the time of the Cold War. And she gets laughed at, but she very logically explains that she's uh, ideally suited to the job as no one will ever suspect uh, an elderly lady of spying, of being a dangerous spy, that she can get away with things that other people couldn't. And she proves it in this first book. She goes on a mission and she's so capable, she's so competent, she has her whole life experience and also she has uh, lost so much in her life that she's more courageous than maybe someone that has still so much to lose because of a younger age and a future in front of them. She knows that her life won't go on forever, so she can more easily risk it. That makes sense, right? And it was a very entertaining read. The next book is a very romantic one. Again, it's Someone to Remember. It's book 6.5 in the Westcott series by Mary Ballock. And 
Mary Pollock is an author who writes seasoned romance, if you want to call it that, very well. Here it's the story, uh, it's also a short novella, so a shortish story. It's the story of a 56-year-old spinster who has accepted her spinsterhood. She thinks she will live out her life taking care of her aging mother. And we meet them in all the books that come in front of this novella. So we've met them in six books and we know that she's a, a, a fussy lady who tries to take care of her mother and the mother is not really appreciative of that taking care of her. But we don't know much about the background and in this story we learn that as a young girl, she was in love with a young man who had a bad reputation. He was a rakish young man and she was not allowed to marry that young man. So he married another woman and had a separate life from her. He is a widower now and has a grown up son. And through the, the story, she meets him again and she asks a favor from him in one of the books and in this novella they get a second chance at love and can finally be together. It was so sweet, I was so happy for them and Mary Balog really does it well so that you feel all the romance and the possibility that is still there even if both Hero, heroine and hero are no longer young and in their first bloom. You really believe that they can fall deeply in love again after all this time has passed. And I cried at one scene, or maybe there were several scenes, and that was between the mother and her. Those scenes to Mary Ballock's book, family is always very important. If you know her, you know that. And the relationship between her and her mother is strained, as we know from the books that came before. And now they resolve their relationship and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Made me cry. So thank you, Mary Ballock, for giving us this redemption of a once forbidden love. The next book is A Bachelor Establishment by Isabella Barclay, uh, aka Jodie Taylor. Jodie Taylor writes uh, a very well-known series about time-traveling historians, St. Mary's, maybe you know it. And as Isabella Barclay, that's her pseudonym, she writes historical romances. And I only read this one. I think there's another one that I haven't read and it was so well written. I loved it and it's about two people in their 40s who get a chance at love. I don't remember the details because it has been a while that I read it, but I remember that the dialogue was so good. So much funny dialogue and characters that rub on each other, that hate each other, but in truth, it's love, you know, and uh, that's something that I really enjoy. 
The next is not a romance, it's a series, the Amelia Peabody series by Elizabeth Peters. The first book is called Crocodile on the Sandbank. It's about uh, Amelia, a rich single lady uh, of historical times. She's traveling around in the world, she has the money to do it and she's interested in archaeology and here she gets in the way of a famous archaeologist, a very grumpy man and they have huge fights and in truth there is a secret passion behind their antagonism against each other and they fall in love of course. So I've only read the first book in this series it's historical mystery, probably, would be the best description, but there is the, the, the romance because, be, between this lady who's no longer young, she's not old, I think she's in her 30s, and he's slightly older, I think. And they are very difficult characters, both of them, and they deserve each other <laughs> in the worst and in the best possible way. So it's very funny to read about them. I think I like their relationship best and the mystery for me could have been shorter. But there is a lot of historical accurate description of the way people worked at the time. And the author tries to depict the times of imperialism, British imperialism in Egypt in a respectful way. But it's difficult because, of course, all the main characters are British and very much in their privileges of the time. The next one is again a Westcott uh, book from Mary Ballock. It's the fourth Westcott book, Someone to Care. And this is the story of Viola. Uh, the Westcott series starts out with a huge scandal. Uh, uh, titled gentleman of vast fortune dies and when he's dead people realize that he has never been married to his wife and so all their children, grown-up children, are bastards because he was already married at the time to another woman when he married Viola, the, his wife or the lady that was known as his wife for 30 years or something and uh, the whole family is devastated when this happens because now suddenly the inheritance goes to Anna, an orphaned girl who is in truth his only legitimate daughter and all the children that grew up believing him to be their legitimate uh, father are now illegitimate. <laughs> Sorry, that's a really hard word. I hope you understand it, even though I can't pronounce it. So they they have no right to the title and the money and the houses and Anna gets it all. That was the first book in the series and Viola, of course, is, is very much touched by this betrayal of a husband that wasn't a very nice husband while she was married to him, but she did her duty, she bore him children and she was his lady in all the ways that count. And now she has nothing. She has lost honor, money, 
respect of society, everything. And in this book, the fourth, she gets her love story. She's not very old. She's younger than I am now, but she has grown up children. So she's in her 40s, I think. She was married very young. And now she finds the love of her life with a man that at first doesn't look all that perfect, but he turns out to be. And I was so glad for her because I wasn't sure when I started the series. I thought it would only be about the children, but happily for me, it does also include some of the older members of the family. So the next book is also the last one I will talk about today. It's a fantasy novel. So something I haven't mentioned until now in this episode. Paladin of Souls, the second in the world of the Five Gods series by Lois McMaster Butchold. No idea how you pronounce that name. It's a really hard name to pronounce. And this lady you should read all her books. She's amazing. She's wonderful. She writes science fiction and fantasy. I've only read one of her science fiction yet, but I will continue with the series, the Four Cross Gigan series, I think. So the title also very hard to pronounce. World of the Five Gods is much easier to pronounce. So the, the first book was the Curse of Chalion and I read that one. I listened to it and I loved it. I loved it with all my heart. It was about a man who has been destroyed by his life but finds a new beginning and a new direction in his life as the teacher to some young nobles. And the mother of those young nobles is mentioned in the books. You meet her several times and everybody knows she's completely crazy. And this completely crazy lady at the end of the book, after much tragedy, she finds some kind of peace and decides now it's time for her to live her own life. And she leaves her family home and goes on a voyage. That's the end of the first book. And she is the heroine of the next book, which is amazing. Have you ever read a fantasy book with a lady as the heroine who is in her 40s or maybe even 50s who has grown up children and left them all behind and also she's known to be crazy so this book it's adventure travel theology philosophy soul searching personal growth amazing friendships gallantry demons gods visions horses humor love in many guises forgiveness for yourself and others Yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And when I talk about it, I want to read it again. And yes, there is a romance. It's not the major part of the book, but there is a romance and it's very satisfying. And I'm so happy that that lady who has suffered through so much, through so much, she has really had a hard, hard life, is finally come into her whole potential she's a true heroine she she saves the world in all the way that in fantasy novels people do save worlds she comes into her own into her powers 
And yes, she finds love. Finally, she finds love. I'll end on this, even for while talking, I remembered other books with older heroines finding love, but I think it's enough for now and it will take me quite some time to put all those books into the episode notes. But I'll do it, I'll do it, I promise. I hope you enjoyed this and also the interview that will follow up as a surprise. Bye. I was so happy doing my text and telling you guys about it that I decided maybe it would be good to bring the prince in and let you get um, another point of view on these things. So I am going to be interviewing Mr. Wonderful here and you get to hear some nice French speaking English. One day we were sitting at the kitchen table and the bell rang at the gate. I never answered the door as I don't speak French. My husband went and was gone quite a while. So I was more curious than usual when he came back. So, hey Prince, who was at the door? It was a nice student. Um, from the University of Neuchâtel and uh, she explained me that she had nothing to sell but just to speak about um, new woman rights, about equality, about modern feminism and I told her that I was very happy to give me to give her all my support that I because I could agree with most of her point of view. Aha! Uh -huh. And how did she react to that? Being an older man, she was very happy that I was not afraid by her questions uh -huh. and that I may have maybe uh, even a modern view about this subject that I could agree with her uh, combat, her fight for new equality and new rights. Wow, I'm impressed. Okay. Um... I believe you said something about, I will gladly listen, but first I want to say something. Yes, after listening her first uh, introduction words, I told her simply that to understand the future, you have to understand the past and where you come from, where are your roots and why are you fighting for, and uh, to give you maybe a better understanding of what the life was uh, during the time of her parents and grandparents. How did she react to this? She was very happy to learn something about, she had absolutely no idea and she only read text in books or maybe in course in university, but she would like to have a first account, a real account of what life was in the countryside. In the countryside and a different time than she knows. Exactly. You were mentioning that we are the last generation that really knows how things were between men and women. And exactly. Okay, can you tell us a bit about how it was between men and women? I insisted about respect. Uh, equal rights were not known as we know today. They weren't an issue. Yeah, but respect courtesy and education were part of the daily behavior of 
any man, it could have been a worker, a farmer, an intellectual, a journalist of any social level, but respect, courtesy, good manners were part of the behavior of the men of the time. Of course, they were bad guys, but they were not the majority of them. And what do you mean by proper behavior or good behavior? I believe simply uh, an attitude which was respectful. That's uh, the biggest part of the problem. How would that be shown on the street or in public? It's maybe difficult to say if you have not seen it, but just maybe a little detail on the train platform. You were supposed to let the ladies go in, help them to take the, the luggage or the heavy load they could have in hands or maybe and mostly when you address to a woman you took off your hat or your cap or your beret little things of the daily life mm -hmm. which made respect a natural part of your daily behavior speaking of the train tell me what you t said about children going on the train oh yes today children are rushing into the carriage before older people uh, even before women and in those times, um, the man in charge of the train, the controller, he used to, to speak with a angry and strong voice to the children wanting to jump before ladies passenger into the carriage. Mm -hmm. And so it gave the children a first aspect of what they had to learn when growing. Okay, thank you. And what about work life? Um, I know your fa family came from um, uh, a lumber back, yeah, uh, background yes, and we, with a we, sawmill. And... We have a sawmill and a company doing carpentry and joinery, yeah. And uh, so women couldn't do that kind of work? No, evidently. The, the heavy work were done by the men and they were even helpful, strangely, at home, helping the woman to do difficult jobs and uh, so uh, the life was really very different as we know it today but heavy job was a part of men's life and and women at home protected the daily life of their children and so they couldn't do heavy jobs because of their own nature and the nature of the time yeah, I can't imagine that I could do very good with a tree trunk and helping you get somewhere. You talked about horses and having to heave the things over your shoulders. Yes, it was it was a, a world when working was meaning survival from both sexes. Men used to have their wife at home to take care of their home and their children, and women rely on their husband's work to to bring money and food at home so it was it was a, a relation built on survival and not about self-development or hierarchy yeah exactly uh -huh. it doesn't mean that today of course life has changed and technical support means the life and the work is not the same but we have to understand wh why it was like that and if you understand this, you can fight for your new dimensions and your new rights. But knowing how it was and why it was like that. Mm -hmm.
Very nice. Um, do you think progress has been mostly positive or negative for women? No, positive in any in any way. I think yeah, it's a, it's a, progress is is a really useful and it's a necessity. It's life. Life goes on. But now we have to build a new respect between sexes, and this has to be learned. It's already not done. You mentioned about the birth control having quite an effect on the the way men and women react or um, behave. Yes, in a way, I think, strangely or not, but strangely, when women gained sexual liberty, men thought they could do what they want and they start to behave badly so they didn't feel the responsibility the yeah, same they don't take any more responsibility mm -hmm. not all of them of course but generally speaking there is a great love of respect and understanding and what about bringing up children nowadays where the woman works and takes care of children and takes care of the home of course, life is different, but I believe that uh, the new generation now are more involved in uh, sharing the, the family duties regarding the, the children of the daily life at home. I think the new generation slowly are going to a better understanding and a better sharing of the daily life. And what about men's roles? You've commented when we've been in yeah, restaurants. That's a great problem. Men has to learn and to understand that they have a new role and they still are not in tune. They are still learning. Uh -huh. How do you mean that? It's difficult to explain. I think many men are not uh, aware what to say, what to do and how to behave. And they behave like a secondhand woman, no more than men. Okay, so both men and women are having to adjust to this and yeah. find their new places. Yeah. They have to find a new balance, and okay. this is still not done. And what about for women? How do you notice the change in women? Yes, it's a, it's a difficult subject, but I believe that women can... Uh, learn a different way of behaving, not losing their own identity, not destroying their beauty to become a secondhand man. It's 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 a nonsense. You can you can be free intelligence, uh, a self-made woman, a manager, whatever you want to be, but not losing your femininity. And for me, feminism doesn't go with ugliness it can be beauty too why that's wonderful that's my guy folks pretty nice huh so just another view from another time my husband really is a gentleman and rather an old-fashioned gentleman from the time i met him he's been like that and i feel no less a feminist with him but I do feel very loved and protected by him and cared for. So we'd like to leave you with the words. Folks, we're all in this together. Be kind to your brother and sisters. Bye.